0: Now, before we get started, I, I I want everybody to be a witness to this because every week I have to do this to Mac. So here, here, I get to return the favor. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna practice. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope I hope that uh, this is going to be an encouraging study in the first book of First Peter. And uh, let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you. We want to worship you. We want to we teach your word accurately. We ask that the Holy Spirit will be the teacher. Help us understand and remember what you want us to. Help us to be convicted where you want us to. And Father, most of all, just help us to rejoice in what we have in you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as we get started, you you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I don't think we're going to get very far today, but I, I don't have any slides, so people are just going to have to listen and read along. Let me let me first of all read why. Why is the book of 1 Peter in here? Why is it so important? One of the reasons is this. 1 Peter focuses on the importance of believers bearing up under unjust suffering, yet continuing to live well. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. In this way, 1 Peter might be called the Job of the New Testament. Providing encouragement for the true believer to continue in the way that Jesus has laid out for all of his followers. The endurance Peter called these believers to is similar to Job's, to Job's, a man who suffered despite his righteousness. Peter maintained that this was the kind of true perseverance that God expects from his people. That was from Chuck Swindle. So what I want to do today is read the first 10, 12 verses of 1 Peter, chapter 1. And then we'll go back and then we'll, we'll look at a couple of things. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to read this out loud. And forgive me if my mouth gets dry. I have to, I do that a lot. All right, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope You have been regrieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. "...receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time. The Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the store and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed... That that not to themselves. Let me read that again. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now. Before we before we uh, go further, it starts out that Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, who was Peter. Well, Peter, he says he was an apostle. Let me read a couple of things here. He was not merely an apostle, but there is a sense in which he was a leader of the apostolic group. Peter was an important, influential man in the early church. Considering the author the first Christians would receive this letter with a, ten, a sense of importance. Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than any, uh, anyone except the name of Jesus. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Peter's name is mentioned more times in the Gospels except for the name of Jesus. No one speaks of the Gospels as often as Peter. No one speaks in the Gospels as often as Peter did. And Jesus spoke more more to Peter than any other individual. Now keep that in mind. As we look at the history of Peter, Jesus is the one that spoke to him more than any of them. There must have been a reason for that. Peter was the only disciple who dared to rebuke Jesus. Peter confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. Peter denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than any other disciple. Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. And Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone, alone among the disciples. Since Peter is so prominent in the gospel records, it is worthwhile to remind ourselves of some of the important mentions uh, of Peter in record, in the record, in, let me read that again. Since Peter is so prominent in the gospel records, it is worthwhile to remind ourselves of some of the important mentions of Peter in the record of biblical history. When Jesus woke up early in the morning to pray before the sun came up, Simon Peter led the other disciples in, in, on a hunt to find Jesus. And tell him what he should do. You remember that? Turn with me to Mark chapter one. Some of these I won't. I won't go to all the scripture in here, but but these are these are really good because sometimes we forget, and maybe you've never even heard or read. Uh, these, these situations that uh, speak about Peter. So Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. Now remember, Peter woke up early in the morning, gathered up the other guys and said, they're going, we're going to search for Jesus because they're going to tell him where he, what he should do next. So in verse, in verse 35 through 39, who wants to read that? All right, Vince... Yeah, thank you so th- I think this is, this is kind of interesting because Peter wanted he says he gathered the guys up and and he went to search for Jesus you know to tell him where what he should do next but Jesus told him what he was going to do see? another thing about Peter Peter put his nets out at the direction of Jesus to bring in a massive cache of fish for all you fishermen. That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Just throw out a net and bring it back where it's almost ripping apart and and uh, you can have a good fish fry there. So, Peter went up on a unique outreach trip with the other disciples in Matthew chapter ten, one through 42. We won't turn there. Peter stepped out of the boat during the raging storm and walked, with, walked on the water with Jesus. You remember that story? He, he was looking and uh, he said, Lord, is that you? Uh, he said, come on. And so he kept his eyes on Jesus. Once he took his eyes off Jesus, he fell. He had to start to swim. Peter was the one who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, you have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter saw Jesus transfigured in glory together with Moses and Elijah. He's got a big history. Of Peter Oops. Peter was the one who asked Jesus how many times he should forgive that uh, brother that sins against quo- uh, quoting the high number of times ta- seven times so Peter thought he was he was pretty self righteous saying hey lord should we should we forgive our brother seven times and what did Jesus say 70 times 7 so Peter thought, hey, I'm, I'm reaching out, it's seven times, you know, that's a lot to forgive somebody. And Jesus said, no, it's not, 70 times seven. <laughs> Peter was the one who asked Jesus after the encounter with the rich young ruler what the disciples would receive for going, giving everything up to follow Jesus. Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. Who wants to read that? All right, Dwayne. that. And you know, when Jesus told him this, that was that was really good. And then, somewhere along the line, he might have forgot that because remember he denied Jesus. Peter was the one who asked Jesus after the encounter with the rich young ruler. Remember, that it's easier for a rich man, or it's, it's, how's that go? It's easier for a rich man to go through the eyes of the needle and then into the kingdom. Peter was the one who insisted that Jesus would not wash his feet. And then he commanded Jesus to wash his whole body. Now that would have been something exciting, wouldn't it? (laughs) Peter heard Jesus predict that that he would deny him three times. After Peter replied, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And in Matthew twenty six thirty five, he says, The rest of the disciples agreed with Peter that no one would deny Jesus. Peter was the one who cut off the right ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. So he was pretty impassionate, or pretty passionate about, about uh, being a, a Jesus guard. You know, I think he was... <laughs> And most people think he was trying to chop the head off of Malchus, but it just worked out he chopped the hair off that Jesus put back on. But you know, you gotta remember Peter was a fisherman, not a swordsman, you know. So Peter was the one who Peter denied Jesus three times, cursing and swearing that he did not even know the man, refusing even to even the name of Jesus. Peter was the one who ran with John, the disciple, to the tomb on the morning of the resurrection. After hearing the report of the women that the, of the bo- that the body of Jesus was not in his tomb. Peter was the one who received personal visit from the resurrected Jesus on the day of the resurrection. Peter received a public restoration of Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus you remember that in John twenty-one, the public restoration. What was? It? You remember what it was? Yeah. Who said that? Oh, you said that. Yeah, the whisperer, Anita, the whisperer. <laughs> he, Jesus asked Peter, "Do you love me?" And Peter said. You know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then Jesus said, do you love me? So, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again. He said, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And that's what First Peter is doing is feeding the sheep. First Peter, this is in a nutshell, the purpose is to provide encouragement to Christian living. The major doctrine of First Peter is the sufficiency of God's grace. Other key doctrines is the return of Christ, the sufferings, and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and godly living. If you've been around Southview for a while, that was from Pastor Oswald's 1st and 2nd Peter commentary on the cover of it. sufferings, Holiness, and Glory. And he taught that in 2007 in Vacation Bible School. So what's Peter warning about or encouraging about? Persecution can cause either growth or bitterness in the Christian life. Response determines the result. And I think that can apply to almost anything in life. The response of of any instruction or any hardship Determines the result. In writing to Jewish believers. Struggling in the midst of persecution. Peter encourages them. To conduct themselves courageously. For the person and program. Of Christ. Both their character and conduct. Must be above reproach. Having been born again. To a living hope. They are to imitate. The holy one. Who has called them. The fruit of the conduct will be rooted in submission. What we're going to look at in the study of First Peter, we're going to look at citizens' response to government, servants' response to masters, wives' response to husbands, husbands' response to their wife, and Christians' response Responding to one another. One major note of First Peter. Only after submission is fully understood. Does Peter deal with the difficult area of suffering. The Christians are not to think it's strange concerning fiery trials. Which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. And that's in First Peter chapter 4. But we are to rejoice as partakers of the sufferings of Christ that response is truly the climax of one's submission to the good hand of God. So, as we get to First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, It significantly introduced Peter as, as an apostle. What is an apostle? Tell me what the requirements of an apostle are. See the, see the huh? And if they have to see the living Christ. They have to see the living Christ, okay. They have to be handpicked by God. They have to, be they have to be, see the resurrection, see Him after the resurrection. What else? Is there a third one? Taught by him, yeah. Uh, and 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 they were given. They were given the the power to to sign miracles. Do we have apostles today? I don't know. If you look on YouTube, there's all kinds of them. <laughs> you got to be careful. First Peter is warning us about things like that. And, and First and Second Peter, but but most of all, the focus is on the person of Jesus Christ and 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 the holiness that a Christian should be living. So he says, For "Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion." Oh, one note I want to I want to make is that uh, it's important that you don't see anybody else in the in the Scripture like this the supreme importance of the apostle is suggested by the fact of the phrase that Jesus Christ is attached to no other New Testament office no other New Testament office we do not read of teachers of Jesus Christ or prophets of Jesus Christ or evangelists of Jesus Christ only pointed apostles of Jesus Christ now do we do we do that we do, do we evangelize do we teach Yes, but we weren't handpicked by Jesus like the apostles were. Okay. So he says to the pilgrims. Now this is interesting. I, I was reading this, and with my crazy, wild sense of humor I have that nobody likes, I was thinking of John Wayne, and and if you if you watch any John Wayne movies, he's a hey, hey, pilgrim, you know, and. Uh, but, but that's not what Peter's talking about. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, I better not put that in there because people might not think that's very humorous. So, so anyway, so I didn't put it in there. I just said it. <laughs> All right, but he says to the pilgrims. So what uh, the idea here is a pilgrim, let me read the definition of a pilgrim first. The idea behind the word pilgrims is of someone who lives as a temporary resident in a foreign land. Pilgrims are sojourners and travelers And pilgrims live in a constant awareness Of their true home The dispersion or exile Was used to describe the Jews When they were made to leave their homeland of Israel But here Peter is writing to Jews and Gentiles Who have been converted To real Christianity Okay So it might sound like in certain parts that he's just talking to Jews, but he's not. He's talking to Jews and Gentiles. So there was probably uh, there was converted, converted uh, Gentiles uh, to Christianity along with the Jews, and they, they left their homeland. So that's who he's writing to, is to Jews and Gentiles. We can't just say he's writing to the Jews, okay? So he says to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I heard a guy was preaching on this and he said, you know, this this one this one name here, Cappadocia, should be on a on a coffee shop menu. Yeah. You know. You got your cappuccinos, you got so then you could have your Cappadocia. You know. All low carb though, Matt. So, <laughs> so my personal note this, this is what I've got for me that, that I put in here these aren't coming from any commentary right here Peter is, is writing to Jews and Gentiles who have been converted to real Christianity now I say real Christian. I say it a lot American Christianity is different than what the Bible talks of Christianity. Do you agree with that? Well, let me give you a few reasons why I say that. Uh, I mentioned a a couple of times in the past that one of the first biographies I read was a guy by the name of Watchman Nee, a Chinese guy who became a Christian. And uh, he suffered. He spent spent 20-some years in a Chinese prison. But he was, a, he, was a avid, he was an avid preacher of the gospel. And when well, let me read, read a, a quote that I, I put down from him. Watchman Nee said this. Just to confess the Lord with our mouth and say, I have, believ- I have believed in the Lord today is not enough testimony. Do you agree with that? How many times have we seen people say, yes, I I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, okay, where's the proof? See, where's the the proof? Just because somebody said, you know, you got to give it time to see if there's fruit in there or not. But he says, just to confess the Lord with our mouth and say, I have believed in the Lord today, is not enough Testimony. We must come out from the world and be separated. So a true Christian, and that's what Peter is writing to here about. You know, there's a difference between you and the and where you're at now. All right, and so uh, live your testimony so that others can see. Yeah. Right, right. right. Yeah. So I don't get saved today and you know, all this happened of the world. Yeah. You know, so so you want to be careful because otherwise it could sound that it's salvation plus works, right? Well, uh, yeah. justification and sanctification all together. Uh, yeah. So I'm just saying be careful that there's a process of sanctification which takes time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let me go on here. Oh, you got a question, Jim. Okay. Very true, very true. I'm going to read a, a, a few examples of the difference between real Christianity and American Christianity. Now, you can agree or disagree, but I'm going to read them anyway, okay? American Christianity focuses on the individual destiny. The Bible focuses on corporate and and vision, corporate vision and destiny. You understand what that says. American Christianity focuses on individual destiny. The Bible focuses on corporate vision and destiny. We belong together. We're not a solo. We're not out here and say, "I don't need church." We need each other. American Christianity focuses on individual prosperity. No. I would agree with the Bible focuses on stewardship. Much of American preaching today focuses on our rights in Christ to be blessed. This is what I want. I'm claiming it. The Bible... However, the scripture that emphasizes regarding finances has to do with being blessed by God to be a blessing. American Christianity focuses on self-fulfillment and happiness. What are you going to do for me? The Bible focuses on glorifying God and serving the saints. In contrast to the Bible, much of the focus from the American pulpit has to do with individual fulfillment and satisfaction. Um, uh, that, uh, Can you talk a little, just a little louder, Vince? Sure. If I may say, I think that that's not just American Christianity. Yeah. It's any place where sound doctrine is not taught. I mean, it doesn't matter
1: what part of the
0: world Yep. Yep. Very true. American Christianity appeals to using faith to attain stability and comfort. The Bible encourages believers to die to ourselves. Mark eight thirty four. What does it say? You remember what it says? He that will follow me will take up his cross daily. You know that's not that's not comfort. American Christianity usually focuses on individual salvation. But the Bible re- deals with individual and systematic exper- redemption. You understand that? <laughs> Let me read it again. American Christianity usually focuses on individual salvation... And we we do we, we we want people to to hear the gospel, but the Bible deals with individual systemic. I didn't didn't mean to say systematic, systemic redemption. In other words, we want to go out as a as a as a, a to witness to people as as a group. We want to gather together to worship the Lord. Okay, American apologetics focuses on human reason, and the Bible apologetics focuses on the power of God and experience. If the foundation of your faith is human reason, then the first person that has more knowledge than you in science could talk you out of believing as a Christ follower. And they think our interest in is rationally defending our faith is about the primacy of human reason over God encounter. They have misunderstood the power of God working in a Christian's life. He says, you know, Tru- truly the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've gone through that in, in the men's breakfast. Not with human reason. So this list you. Well yeah. yeah there are good churches but they are but how many americans be- say that they believe in christ how many american well, in americans general claim to be christian yeah it's a pretty, high number. pretty high number and how many how many really believe that jesus is the only way a pretty low number See? so that's what, that's american That's that's what's going on in the United States. That goes back to the persecution part because when the persecution comes only the real ones are going to come through. Yeah. Yeah. Let let me get there. (laughs) American believers have a consumerist mentality regarding a home church. Consumerist mentality regarding a home church. The biblical emphasis is being equipped for the ministry in other words you, you, you don't just come to church and sit and go home and, and live any way you want to yeah. American Christianity promotes and, and this is you know not every church is like our church not every church teaches the Bible like we do not every church puts the emphasis on the sufficiency of God like we do there's a lot of and, and there's a lot of majority going on out there, of the name it and claim it people, and so that's where the difference between this is what American Christianity and real Christianity. Christianity. If you ever read, I don't know how many people have, but but if you've ever read anything by Watchman Nee, a, a guy who really suffered for the faith you you would read that that uh, it was important for him that people understood that Jesus is the only way and that's why he kind of put you know the american american christianity is way different than what you see in places like china or the third world countries it it's a lot different and yeah yeah I am and 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 I've got to note i I would not promote this guy. I would not endorse this guy because there's some things I don't agree with yeah, and and so so i i'm just I'm just kind of adding um i mean one one thing, you know, as we look at at issues and from other people, some people you you can learn from. And, and some people you say, well, I—it's all bad, and 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 who they're affiliated with is bad. But some of the things, these are things I've thought about for years, and uh, before I before I read this article, but I thought you know, there is a big difference between American Christianity and real Christianity, Amen. biblical Christianity. And even though there are places that that you know like like our church we we have the we have the importance on the word of god but most people if and we all know people that go to these churches that say I want to I want this and the lord's going to give it to me why why do, because I asked for it he says whatever you ask in my name you will have and and that's not biblical christianity so the the scripture has been misunderstood so Let me read one last thing. American Christianity promotes a culture of entertainment. The Bible promotes the pursuit of God. And I got one one last thing here. Let me read it. If you transition... From the American church to the biblical church, you will lose some, but you will gain some disciples. So if they come for entertainment, they're not going to get it here. If they're going to get the word of God. If some people will, so this church is not for them. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a text and uh, our church is not for them. You know, a wise pastor, I I mentioned this before, a wise pastor told me, if you're looking for a church, attend a church every service, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, if they have it. But every service that they have, you attend it for six weeks in a row. And then by six weeks, you'll know how they operate, you'll know what they preach, you'll know what they believe, and you'll know how they act in six weeks and so that is one thing that that, uh, I have tried to promote Uh, if people are looking for a church they come as a visitor you want to grow you say you want to grow then come and grow you can't grow by yourself and there's people that, that do that so anyway you know sometimes you get you get uh, comments from people that that uh, accu- accuse you of of doing something that is not not the intention, and they have a different outlook on it, and so um, just be careful so first Peter chapter one, he said, we'll go through this again the pilgrim to the uh, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion. In, in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I was telling someone when it comes to the words elect, foreknowledge, predestination, you know, years ago when I was a, a new believer. I read a book by M. R. Dehan, who started Radio Bible uh Daily Daily Bread Ministry, uh radio Bible class, I guess is what it's called. Um, and he had a book called Predestination, Election, Foreknowledge, and uh it's just a little little thing. Uh, but he thought he had it all right. Well, there's been a debate for election I have, predestination for how many years? And nobody can agree. So we look at the Bible, and what does it say? Well, the, we know that, that he's chosen some, you know, but he's given, he's made it open to anyone who, for salvation who is willing to come. So when it comes to election, uh, these people were, were elected for sanctification first, and it was, God knows, I can't explain it all where somebody can understand it, and I don't think anybody else can either. But people do a pretty good job of giving you some kind of understanding. Uh, let me give you mine. I know that salvation is all of God. I wasn't looking for God. I was running from God. I had a guy that bugged me so much after, for about six months, And I sat down with a guy who opened the Bible to me and I know that it wasn't me who looked at it and said, oh yeah, I can do that. It was the Holy Spirit that put everything in place for me to meet all these people and to sit down and have somebody open the Bible to me and let me read it for myself and then ask me, what does it say? Well, salvation is by grace through faith and nothing else. And so I know that it's all of God. The Holy Spirit called me. I didn't call Him. He gave me the understanding of the gospel. I couldn't understand it. And I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior. So, it's all by faith. One guy says, if you're worried about it, just accept the Lord as your Savior and forget it you'll be the elect but but look at one thing here you got your watch? you got my watch? (laughs) he says the elect according to the foreknowledge of God God knew from the beginning that I would get saved I didn't know it by the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for what? Sanctification is what? Set apart, right? So what are we set apart for? For the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven by God's blood. Jesus' sinless blood. Peter calls it the precious blood. We're forgiven with that. But he calls it, he separates us for what? For obedience. Okay. <laughs> One clock is slower than the other. Right. Any, any last comments? Real quick comments? Questions? Write them down. Ask next week. Yes, Jim? I'll ask them Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we just want to thank you for the time that, that we can come together and learn from your word. And Father, we pray that your your uh, spirit will, will just uh, help us uh, worship you today. Be with pastor as he brings a message this morning. Uh, just help us worship you in music. And, and uh, we give you thanks in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. <coughs>